0: Hey, how's everybody doing, and welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 56. And today, I'm going to be talking some NBA. I haven't done one of these episodes in a while. We are about a third of the way into the season, 28 to 30 games in. So I just want to give my thoughts on teams that have impressed me, teams that have disappointed, go through some of the top teams in the league, and then give out some uh, names to watch at the NBA trade deadline that will be coming up in the next month or so, I believe. So let's just hop straight into it. So, Eastern Conference, we got Brooklyn at the top, they're 20 and 8. Obviously, Kevin Durant's leading the league in scoring at about 28-29 points per game. Milwaukee's right behind them at 19 and 11. Giannis is in pro- COVID protocols though. S- speaking about those protocols, uh, the league, both NFL and NBA having some trouble right now uh, with players having to go into COVID protocol, players testing positive for COVID, John Morant got the booster. Was vaccinated before that, still got COVID. Has to be out for 14 days, so that'll be an interesting issue to see how the leagues uh, deal with that. The Chicago Bulls are 17 and 10. They are a league that has been ravaged with COVID problems. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, among uh, the names out right now for Chicago, as they are down to to nine players, I believe. So um, that just shows the severity of COVID right now in the in the NBA. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 18-12, sitting in fourth. And then Miami rounds out the top five at 17-12. and 12. Now at the West, definitely more top-heavy. We got the Warriors at 23-5. and five. We saw Steph Curry break the record for most three-pointers ever by a player, cementing his spot as the greatest shooter of all time. Then behind them, we have the Suns at 22-5. The Jazz are 20-7. The Memphis Grizzlies, even without John ja Morant, are 18-11. and 11. And then we have the Clippers and the Lakers at 16-13. and 13. The Lakers have climbed up a bit. They are currently on a three-game win streak after beating the Mavericks in exciting fashion last night. Austin Reeves, another diamond in the rough for the Los Angeles Lakers, making a big-time three-pointer with .9 seconds left in overtime. He had 15 points on the night. So it'll be really interesting to see if he can carve out more of a role for the Lakers and we'll talk about them a bit later. So first I want to talk about the teams that have impressed me throughout the the start of the season and I'm gonna start off with the team I talked about a lot in the offseason the Chicago Bulls. Everyone was doubting whether DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine would be able to mesh and I said confidently they've got it. I had no worries whatsoever. DeMar, is a very like high volume mid range scorer. He's a slasher. Zach Levine also, I mean, amazing dunker, obviously, but he can shoot the three ball. I thought that the different ways that they can score and their different strengths offensively would mesh really, really well together with a pass first guard in Lonzo Ball who likes to set up his teammates and a big in Nikola Vucevic who can shoot it from the outside, go to work on the offensive glass and in the paint. And that core of four, along with Alex Caruso, who has been amazing defensively for the Bulls, they have climbed up the Eastern Conference, and they are making a name for themselves. I am a huge fan of the, of the Chicago Bulls. Have been since day one, once DeMar DeRozan signed in Chicago. I can't believe that analysts actually thought that this duo wouldn't work out. We saw DeMar in San Antonio being a very different system. He was able to play more freely in Toronto. He's shown that in Chicago, and... I love what he's doing. DeMar is averaging 26.4 points per game. Zach Levine is averaging 26 points per game. I believe they're both top six or seven in scoring. And they're one of the most lethal duos in the league today. And I love what Billy Donovan is doing. Even their bench is playing really well. Ayo Dasunmu, point guard out of Illinois, rookie, carving out a decent role for himself. Javante Green's been pretty good too. Unfortunately, they lost Patrick Williams to, a, I believe, a season-ending injury, so that's unfortunate, but Derek Jones Jr. can fill in his role good enough, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the playoffs, because it looks like the Bulls will be there for the first time in a few years, it's going to come down to how DeMar and Zach can execute in the fourth quarter, and we've seen DeMar go off in the fourth. We saw him drop 30-plus points against the Lakers and the Clippers, putting on absolute clinics, but... We've also seen times, I believe it was a game against Portland, where they just weren't making the best decisions in the fourth quarter. Uh, We we definitely saw, uh, not Zach's limitations, but some of his errors, his careless errors that can occur in the fourth quarter because he just hasn't been in that spot before. This is the first winning basketball team Zach Levine has been on in the NBA. And for DeMar, kind of the same way where he's the guy uh, since his Toronto days. But nonetheless, this is the team that has impressed me the most in the NBA this season. And I'm excited to see as they keep taking off. And if they're going to play like this in the playoffs, they can challenge Milwaukee. They can challenge Brooklyn. They have got a really solid best five. Sticking with the Eastern Conference, the next team that really impresses me, and I'm sure surprised a lot more people, the Cleveland Cavaliers, 18-12. and 12? You guys lost LeBron, and I know there are some Cleveland fans out there that I know. This is for you guys. The Cavs lost LeBron a few years back to Los Angeles, and they were a mess. We were thinking it's going to take them a while to rebuild this. They didn't have many pieces in place. And a few years later, even with Colin Sexton out, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit, they are thriving. Darius Garland has taken the reins for this team. He is controlling the offense as they designed with Sexton out and rumors of him being on the trade block before his season ending injury. I believe it was an Achilles injury. Could be wrong there, but Garland has been fantastic. He's averaging 19 points per game, averaging a good amount of assists too. don't have the exact number there, but a huge thing as well with Cleveland this year, balance. They're playing together. 8 guys are averaging 10 points per game or more. Isaac Okoro is a ninth, averaging 9.3. But in his past 5 games, he's averaging over 16 points per game. And you guys probably saw that nasty dunk over 3 rocket defenders on House of Highlights. So they have a really, really solid core group of players. Evan Mobley has really impressed at the pro level. He has translated to the pro game so, so nicely from Southern California. Ricky Rubio has proven to be a nice spark at the guard position. Markin is finding a nice role. He's averaging about 14 points per game. Even Kevin Love is finding a role off the bench, making threes. This team won't go for an Eastern Conference championship or a finals run yet. But they have the pieces in place to consistently make the playoffs. And as Darius Garland gets better, and as Evan Mobley gets better with Jared Allen and those guys this team can be reckoned with this is a really solid basketball team that goes out and competes every single night and it's not the same person doing it every single night they have nine different guys that are capable of going off that is really important in being a good regular season team and a consistent playoff appearance team going to the western conference we have to talk about this team the golden state warriors Stephen Curry has been unbelievable this season. Averaging about 27 points per game. But I'm more impressed by the players around Steph Curry. With Clay Thompson out, James Wiseman out. Who has stepped up? It's been Jordan Poole from the very beginning. First couple years in the league, Jordan Poole was insanely inefficient. Taking bad shots. Forcing threes. This year, he's been amazing. 17.9 points per game. Definitely one of the top... Uh, players for most improved. And I think he's kind of filled that Klay Thompson role of being another shooter, going out, being aggressive, looking to score, filling that void. When last year, when we were watching those playoff games, the play-in games for the Warriors, Steph Curry was all on his own. And that is not the case anymore, large part because of Jordan Poole. But the player I'm most impressed by for this Warriors team, Andrew Wiggins. He's averaging 18.4 points per game. That's pretty good. But the efficiency, 48.8% from the field, 41% from three-point range. Andrew Wiggins, former number one overall pick, didn't really pan out in Minnesota due to his lack of weather was drive, his inefficient scoring. He always got his numbers, but he never really contributed to winning. I've said that, I think, on the podcast. But Wiggins has been phenomenal for Golden State. Not only is he playing good offense, he's also playing pretty good defense. He has bought into this system. Steve Kerr is using him really, really well. And with him, Stephen Curry, obviously Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson coming back with Jordan Poole being your sixth man, this team's the favorite to win it all. I believe if Klay Thompson can come back and be the Klay Thompson... 80% of what he used to be because he's coming off of two major injuries if he can do that the Warriors are the team to beat and I'm very confident in saying that because this offense with these shooters they have on the floor with a nice mid-range guy in Wiggins they are going to be very very tough to stop defensively and then my last team I know these are all teams in the top five but they're there for a reason the Memphis Grizzlies They have not had Ja Morant recently because of COVID. They've won nine out of their last 10 games. Nine out of their last 10. And why is that? They're kind of like the Cavs of the West a little bit, although they've been more established as a good team. Balance. Desmond Bain, second year in the league. Really, really solid player. He's really showed out with Ja uh, with Baines needed to fill the, the point void that Jaw left. Jaw's averaging 24.1 points per game, by the way. Desmond Bain is averaging 16 points per game. Dylan Brooks is averaging 18. He's always been pretty solid. Jaron Jackson Jr. continues to improve and take strides as a player. He's averaging 16 as well, I believe. This team is really, really good, especially defensively. You got Steven Adams as an anchor there. He's replacing Valanchunas with that trade... Uh, that sent Valentinus to New Orleans. And once John Morant comes back and gets all settled in, because he has just been on a roll this season, he's on his way to his first all-star appearance. You could argue all-NBA potentially as well. John Morant is that dude. He is that good. And again, they've got good role players around him and good coaching. The Cavaliers and the Grizzlies are in very similar situations. They're overachieving record-wise, but there's a reason for that. Uh, It's more the case of Ja running the show and uh, being more of a star than, than Garland because Garland still has so much potential. His ceiling is so high. He's so crafty. But these are both really balanced teams with guys who can score on any given night. It's not just one guy getting it done. So I love what Memphis is doing. I loved them last year when they beat the Warriors in the play-in game. And it's only a matter of time until they get back to the playoffs. And they can really, really make some noise. They are a potential team that could upset a Phoenix, a Utah, maybe even a Golden State because they beat them last year in the play-in game to make the playoffs. So I'm going to switch gears now. Going to the teams that have disappointed. And I'm, I'm going to list three teams. Although, there's definitely a big one for me. Big two, really. I'm going to start with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I know they're on a three-game win streak, and they're three games above 500. But can this team win a championship? At LeBron's point of his career, it is championship or bust. He does not want another finals loss. But are they even going to get out of the West? I feel like I've said it before, I'm going to say it again and if I haven't, or this will be the first time you hear it. I don't like the rust fit. I don't think it's working. I know he's played better recently, but when the playoffs come, teams are really going to clamp down on him defensively. And he's going to be inefficient again. He's going to turn the ball over. And the style of play, what were your alternatives? You obviously can't redo what has already been done, but you have to think if you're Rob Palinka, what could you have had? You could have gone out and signed DeMar DeRozan who is heavily interested in being a Laker going back home to California. He's averaging 26.4 points per game for the Bulls. Showing that he is a star and a major contributor offensively to any team. And when LeBron James gets injured, you have DeMar and Anthony Davis to carry the weight. Buddy Heald, who might have cost you less, fits in way better to what this team wants to do. Because with Buddy Heald, who is a non-ball dominant guard, who can still score 20 a night because he's a fantastic shooter from three-point range, who's also rotting in Sacramento because they fired Luke Walton and they have no idea what they're doing, they've got about five guards who they can play. And Heald is expendable for them. Why didn't you go get him? You can still go get him. But I thought those two players are better fits next to LeBron than Russell Westbrook. Because Westbrook needs the ball. He's also not an efficient three-point shooter. Letting go of Alex Crusoe was a terrible decision. Terrible decision. I also think they are overvaluing Talon Horton Tucker. Because you could have used him, a very diamond in the rough player, which the Lakers are very good at, getting these players. First, it was... Caruso, now it's Horton Tucker, now it's Austin Reeves, rookie out of Oklahoma, who's really making noise. They have really good players that they get in the undrafted area, second round picks. They're really good at developing talent. But man, Horton Tucker could have gotten you a Kyle Lowry. Maybe it could have taken a couple pieces away to getting a buddy healed. Maybe you can still use him to get a buddy healed. I think Taylor Horton Tucker should be used at the trade deadline this offseason to get a buddy healed or a player like that. This team needs more. Veteran shooters and stars is not good enough right now. This team is not good enough to beat Golden State or the Phoenix Suns or the Utah Jazz. So LeBron, unless, I mean, again, it's LeBron James. We can't doubt him. He's the second best player ever to play the game of basketball. Some might disagree with that, but that's a whole another conversation, obviously. But the reason why they're disappointing to me is because they reloaded the season with a lot of talent. This is a extremely new roster, but they're not at the top of the West. And even though the record's decent, they're not playing like it. They have a lot of rough games. Getting blown out by Memphis without John Morant. And Anthony Davis. Who people consider a top five player. Where is it? Where's the dog in him? When is he going to go out and just explode for 40 points? He needs to be the aggressor. And he's playing too passive right now. He is arguably their most important player. Because obviously LeBron is going to do his thing. He's going to put up the numbers. He's going to do the work. But if Anthony Davis doesn't play at an all-star level, this team's going nowhere. You could see another first-round exit for them. And then the last team I want to briefly talk about, but they're a bit of an unknown scenario right now, is the Boston Celtics. You have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, two of the best young players in the NBA, new coach. You get Dennis Schroeder in the offseason, you get Al Horford back, still have Marcus Smart, but this team's 500 and they're not that good, and they're not going to make noise in the playoffs. They might be a second-round exit at best. That's their ceiling in my eyes. And it's disappointing because these two players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, are so, so talented, and it just feels like they're getting wasted. Absolutely wasted. And now you're hearing that maybe they can't play together, maybe one has to be moved. So that's a team to keep an eye on in the next couple years. Long term changes could be made, but they should just be better. They have too much talent to be a 500 team. And a team I actually skipped over in my notes, I forgot to talk about them. Team that needs a major shakeup because it is over in Portland. The Portland Trailblazers need to hit the reset button. They are 11 and 18 near the bottom of the Western Conference standings. Damian Lillard's not playing great. CJ McCollum, he's obviously out with the. Uh, It was a rib injury or a lung injury. Uh, I need to write down these injuries probably in my notes when I'm doing these episodes, but he's out for a couple months. But the fit wasn't working. Chauncey Billups is having struggles in his first year as a head coach. And then you think about the trade conversations. Do you give up Dame? How much do you give up for a Ben Simmons? Is Kyrie Irving on the table? Would he be open to playing in Portland? Big decision, and not to mention, they fired the president of basketball operations or their GM because of misconduct in the workplace. He is the guy who picked Damian Lillard. A new guy who comes in might make Damian Lillard more expendable than the former uh, GM. Can't remember his name for the life of me. So Portland is a massive team to watch at the trade deadline because they've got guys like Norman Powell, even though they just re-signed him, Robert Covington, McCollum and Lillard, Nurkic, they have a lot of players that could be dumped off if Portland chooses to be sellers or a big or if they look to swap some of their big pieces to get a bigger piece in return like a Ben Simmons to try to run it back one more time with Damian Lillard. That's one of their options. It's either that or make it a yard sale. Because it's not working out right now. And at this pace, they're not going to even make the playoffs. Last thing about on the, on the Blazers. I compare the Portland Trail Blazers to my Toronto Raptors a few years ago. When, De- uh, when DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry kept running into the King, LeBron James, who ruled the Eastern Conference. They were a great duo. But they hit their ceiling. They hit their best point. They weren't going any further. They weren't championship caliber. Although they were two great players who played really well together. I see the exact same thing with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I think they've hit their peak as teammates, as co-stars. And maybe they should have pulled the trigger on the Ben Simmons trade. Or actually, no, that was Philly's problem. Never mind that. But I think now they should look into that. Splitting them up. Because it's not working. And look what Masai Ujiri did. He took a massive risk getting Kawhi Leonard for a one-year rental. It won us a championship. Portland has the opportunity to make a big move with McCollum and maybe a Covington and a couple picks. Maybe a young player like Simmons or Simons or Nasir Little. And go get yourself a star to pair with Damian Lillard. Big decisions coming up in Portland that could alter their franchise for the next 5-10 to 10 years. And lastly, I want to list out some names to watch for at the trade deadline because there has been some buzz for some players and teams to be buyers, sellers, players that are going to be on the trade block, players who have been on the trade block since the offseason. So I just want to list a few out. I've already talked about Buddy Heald. The Kings are very eager, I believe, to be, to, to deal him along with someone like Marvin Bagley. So, I think you could look at one of the Los Angeles teams. Buddy Heald's right there for the taken. I think he's going to get dealt, I don't know where, to a contender, obviously. But I think Buddy Heald is the number one most likely player to get traded in the NBA this offseason. Ben Simmons is obviously out there. We've, we know that situation. Very complex because the Sixers are asking prices way too high for a Ben Simmons, and they're trying to get like a Damian Lillard back in return. Maybe Kyrie Irving, although that's a little bit of a murkier situation, so we're gonna have to keep a hold on the Ben Simmons trade talk because that seems like it's in it's in mud right now. I think for the Lakers, there have been talks about Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook getting traded. I've talked about Taylon Horton Tucker. Keep an eye on Taylon Horton Tucker because teams really like his potential, and he could be your main trade chip to get a good veteran player. And then two big ones for me that could be very, very game-changing. The first being the trio in Indiana. Indiana is at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I believe they only have nine wins. They are not doing well. And they've got DeMontis Sabonis, who has actually just asked to move on from Indiana. Karis LeVert, Miles Turner. Miles Turner has been on the trade block for like three years at this point. They have three quality starters, Sabonis being an all-star, who can really contribute to a winning team. Indiana will be, in my opinion, the team to watch out for the most in terms of a seller. How many of those guys are they going to deal? Are they going to deal one of them? Are they going to deal all three of them if the price is right? How much can they get in return for DeMontis Sabonis? I'm very inter- interested to see what Indiana can do this offseason. Or or in the trade deadline, rather. Because these are three really good players who can really contribute to a contender. We've seen Minnesota be pretty eager to get someone big at the trade deadline to make a push for the playoffs because Minnesota's actually been pretty decent, although they're, they're two games below 500. And then lastly, Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons. Detroit is just, they are a mess right now. Jeremy Grant doesn't fit their timeline. This is Kate Cunningham's team, who's actually been playing pretty good uh, as of recent. But Jeremy Grant, they can really use him to get a lot of draft capital or some young uh, pro- uh, prospects because soon Grant is going to be asking for a big, big payday because he has been performing very, very well for Detroit. So I think those names are team are, are those are names that teams should look out for and look to buy at the trade deadline. Because it can make a huge difference. Give the Lakers one of those pieces, they look a lot more scary. It's not just Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. They got younger, better defenders, more shooters around. With someone like a Buddy Heald, I I think uh, a very underrated move potentially. What can the Clippers get? Can you get a Karis Levert? The Miami Heat, you know, who knows how active they will be. Although I like the spot they're in because they have Lowry. Jimmy Butler was playing pretty good before. Uh, I, I don't know if he's still injured, but uh, the Miami Heat have a good core. Who knows if Milwaukee wants to be a buyer for one of these players. But I think what's very nice about the NBA, and it has been this way the past couple of years, the unpredictability. Who knows what's going to happen? We don't know. I can't really make a big prediction or like a very clear prediction on who is the best team in the league. I personally think it's Golden State. But Brooklyn at full health, it's a pretty good team. Milwaukee won the championship. We doubted them a year ago. Look what they did. Phoenix is right on Golden State's tail. And they already beat them once. Utah's still really solid. Donovan Mitchell's still doing his thing. Uh, that same squad is running it back. Quinn Snyder, hopefully he can adjust better in the playoffs. But it is a wide open race in the NBA, and I am here to see it. I'm super excited for the rest of the season. And I'll definitely be following it, and I hope you guys do too. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of 125 Unfiltered. I'll get you more episodes out in the next coming days, and I'll talk to you next time.